Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're with us on this Thursday installment of the Eagle Hour. I'm Kelly Sander from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg, along with our producer engineer, Michael Mergens. On the program today, we're going to be talking with Brant Freeman, who has covered sports at his alma mater, Texas State, for, gosh, a little over 20 years now, about the big game coming up Saturday between the Eagles and the Bobcats. A little later on in the show, Southern Miss graduate Bob Matthews, who now covers professional sports in the Washington, D.C. area, including the Commanders and the Capitals hockey team. He'll be talking about some upheaval in the NFL and what might be the future of that franchise in Washington and also get his perspective on the Southern Miss season. And then let you know about tonight's junior college schedule, things going on inside the Southern Miss athletic family. This segment brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Just in time for the next home game, make sure that you get your orders placed for now or even the Thanksgiving holidays coming up. Dickie's Barbecue can take care of all of that cooking for you, including all the great sides. Drive through or dine in Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud to be a supporter of Southern Miss Athletics. Joining us now on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline is Brant Freeman. As we mentioned, uh, a little over 20 years covering the Texas State Bobcats. They are hosting the Golden Eagles on Saturday for a 4 o'clock kickoff. It is homecoming on campus in San Marcos. And Brant, as we welcome you, the Bobcats uh, have have been spotless at home. Nobody has figured out how to beat the Bobcats in San Marcos. What type of a game are you expecting this Saturday? Well, certainly, you know, as far as Texas State is concerned, uh, they're hoping to keep that trend going. It's It's been kind of a you know, Jekyll and Hyde year so far. You mentioned how great they've been at home, but on the road, they're winless. Um, and the way the schedules worked out, the first game of the year was a road game, so they, they flip-flopped every every game of the year. They've gone road to home, and they've gone lost to win. So they're hoping those those trends continue. And they get a Southern Miss team that's coming off, you know, uh, an impressive comfort-behind win over Arkansas State from this past week. You know, they're the only team in the country that's beaten Tulane this year, a team that's now ranked in the top 25, um, that's really good defensively. Um, you know, they, ha- they certainly have some good players on offense, namely Frank Gore Jr. and, and Jason Brownlee, receiver. Um, you know, these two, the last time they hooked up seven years ago, I know that it's kind of ancient history now. Uh, and none of the players on the, on the teams this year, you know, were, were, were on these teams, obviously, but um, it was a great game then. You know, it was a high scoring game back in 2015. I don't anticipate it'll be like that, but it could be close and very competitive. 
like it was seven years ago. So, um, you know, this is Southern Miss's first year in the Sun Belt, so this is the first of many West Division matchups between these two, and I'm looking forward to a good game. Lane Hatcher, unless something changes, Lane Hatcher would be the scheduled signal caller for the Bobcats. He will um, lead at quarterback for the Bobcat team. Tell us about his uh, skill set, Brant. So Lane is uh, not new to uh, – well, he's new to Texas State, but he's not new to the Sun Belt. First year at Texas State, but spent his first three seasons at um, Arkansas State and actually began his career in 2018 at Alabama. And he was in quite the quarterback room, by the way, then. It had Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts. Not a bad company to be around. Um but he's more of a pocket guy, not the most mobile quarterback, but um, that, that's not to say he, he, he's immobile, just he's not a threat to take off and, and run and you know run for 70 yards in the game or something like that. Uh, he's a very cerebral quarterback, spends a ton of time in the film room. He's usually at the, at the, uh, athletic, or at the football offices around 5:30 in the morning, you know, between film study, workouts. Uh, you know, practice. He's he's there until nine thirty at night. You kind of deal. Uh, very much a student of the game. Um, and and uh, you know, when he gets things going with with his arm, the team you know plays very well. You look at the last game they had against Appalachian State, um, the last home game that is. Uh, made a mistake early, throwing the pick in the end zone. He bounces back from that and plays arguably his best game since he's transferred here. So. Um, uh, he can hit the deep ball from time to time. Um, you know, he, he usually plays within the game and adheres to the game plan, not a quarterback who tends to go rogue or anything like that. Um, so if he can stay mistake-free and stay upright as in not getting hit, then uh, he'll certainly give them a chance to win. One of the things that is astonishing to me looking at the Bobcat statistics this year is they're the numbers pro and con for the Bobcats, offensively and defensively, are almost exactly the same. For example, the number of points they, they have give up, given up are about the same amount of points as they've scored. The amount of running yards that they've amassed are almost exactly the same numbers as they've given up. Same, same thing on the passing side. Passing yards, mm-hmm. that's about what they've given up. So it would certainly be indicative of a 500 record. But, man, is it, it's unbelievable how even this football team is, this Bobcat team. Yeah, you're right. And, and yes, the record is very indicative of that, you know, um, where they're you know, the three and four. And, and arguably they're probably two plays away last week at Troy, who's a very good team this year, uh, from winning that game and being, having the record flip to being four and three. You know, there was a game they led in the fourth quarter, um, had not allowed a third down conversion to Troy in the entire game until the Trojans go ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. And then, uh, conversely, I think on the ensuing drive, they have a third down that they failed to convert on a miscommunication between quarterback and receiver, um, and they pumped the ball away and never get it back. So, you know, really the game came down to two third-down plays last week, and that's how close they are to being four and three, you know, right now. And and um, offensively, they like to be balanced, you know, between the, the, the run and the pass. And defensively, they've had a pretty solid year. They're forcing turnovers. They're getting off the field on third down, things that were, weren't really the case the past few seasons. Um, I would say defense is playing a little bit better than the offense at the stage of the year. But I'll tell you this, too. 
um, one thing the team is having to deal with is fatigue, you know, and guys that are kind of beat up and the mental drain of the season because Saturday will mark their eighth game in eight weeks. They have not had a bye yet. And talking to Coach Spavadol throughout the week, they keep telling me they cannot wait until after Saturday just to get some relief, you know, a little bit, give the bodies a chance to rest, give the minds a chance to reset a little bit, you know. So uh, they're, they're trying to kind of hold in there, you know, uh, right now, you know, given the fact that uh, that's a lot of football to play in, in uh, two months' time. Looking outsiders looking in to Sunbelt teams in the offseason kind of reported to us that they felt that Coach Spavital this season was in a real make-or-break year for him and that uh, some, some great expectations were being levied upon him for this year. I think this is his fourth season. Do you think that was reasonable going into the season, that this was, this was a crucial year for him and his staff? I think that's that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, uh, certainly in college football, um, everybody's in you know win now mode. You know, and and, and um, there isn't a lot of patience. You know, for for fan bases or for anybody you know associated with the programs, and that's just the nature of the game. You know, uh, whether you're talking college, pro, high school, whatever the case may be, the windows are small. And, um, you know, he inherited a program that wasn't very good. You know, they were coming off a two-win campaign, a three-win campaign, something like that, the season before. And so people understood it was not an overnight fix. But, yeah, by the time you get to year you know, three or four, you, you want to see results. And, and so I think that there were expectations for this to be, like, a very important year for the program as far as he and the staff were concerned. Um, Certainly, you know, the win against App State a couple of weeks ago was very encouraging. It kind of felt like at the time it was maybe a, a, a corner-turning win for, uh, for the program. Now, they didn't capitalize off of that with a win against Troy, but it was the best they played on the road all year against a very quality opponent. So um, there's optimism that uh, the second half of the season could go well, given what we've seen the past couple of weeks. You get to the end of the year and you kind of see what happens. Um, but yeah, I would agree that you know coming into the year and probably still the case right now, this is a very important season. One of the things that Southern Miss fans always argue about on social media is there are just not enough fans going to Southern Miss games, but yet uh, tickets sold for last week's game was 27,000. But when you really put that into perspective of other Sunbelt teams, Bobcat Stadium seats 30,000. And mm-hmm. when you put that into perspective, Oregon State, which is in a Power 5 uh, Pac-12 conference, they only seat 28,000. You know, mm-hmm. So really, I, I, when you put it into perspective – the Sunbelt attendance numbers are, are pretty good if you put it in context with uh, Power 5 numbers. Would you agree? I would agree with that. And it's not just, you know, and the Sunbelt has drawn well, especially looking, you know, App State and what they've done this year with their home games in Georgia Southern and, you know, um, and, and teams here in the West too, Troy, uh, Louisiana, the list goes on. But it's not just a group of five problem. You know, it, it's a college football problem. You hear... Nick Saban talked about the lack of student attendance sometimes at their games for fans leaving early. You know, same thing at Texas. We've seen some groans from, you know, administration there about, you know, fans not showing out enough or yep. anything like that. Brant, Brant, um, can you hold that thought and hold you up for another segment? Yeah. Course, also want sure. to get your opinion of tonight's Troy South Al game. The Eagle Hour continues after this commercial break. Stay with us.
Southern Miss to the top. Still to come, Southern Miss graduate Bob Matthews and his coverage of the Washington Commanders and the Washington Capitals in the pro sports arena. He's a Mobile native and talk a little bit about Southern Miss and about what he's doing now and some upheaval in the NFL. This segment brought to you by Campus Bookmart, which is the big yellow building right across from the main entrance to Southern Miss. You can't hardly miss it. That is the place to go for all of your uh Apparel for Southern Miss, basketball stuff is in, homecoming stuff is left over you know, from last weekend, and they've got your size, your color, and with Christmas coming up too, they've got all sorts of uh, Southern Miss knickknacks that you can give as, you know, dirty Santa gifts, or if you, you know, want to spend a little bit more money, they've got all that for you too at Campus Bookmart. Uh, we're glad that they're a sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Continuing our discussion with Brant Freeman for over 20 years, he has covered the Bobcats, and Brant, I wanted you to, to finish up your thought on attending you know, comparatively speaking, the Sun Belt against the Power Five. And I think sometimes when Southern Miss people get on, you know, smaller crowds at Southern Miss, when you put those numbers side by side with other schools, I think it's certainly proportional. Yeah, I think so. You know, and here's something else, too. Uh, Southern Miss new to the Sun Belt Conference, and, and we know that when realignment happened, the Sun Belt's goal with it wasn't TV markets. It was regional matchups. And it was trying to, like, they wanted to add schools that had passive fan bases that were close in proximity to the, to the existing Sun Belt members. You know, and Southern Miss is not too far away from some of the other teams in the West. And the two teams in Alabama and the two teams in Louisiana, they're not too far away. So I think, I think the fans will start to see, you know, over the next few years of just how engaging those rivalries will become maybe even a little bit more so than what they were in Conference USA. And, you know, you and I were talking during the break. But just look, for example, at the game on deck for tonight, the Battle of the Belt, Troy against South Alabama. you got two teams at the top of the West Division, a game that could decide the West Division winner, and South Alabama fans are very much engaged in it to the point that the game is sold out. Um, you know, and I, we talked about Texas State and the great – Turnout they had for a couple of weeks ago when App State came in, they had about 26,000 for that game. There's a big push for the game against Southern Miss this weekend as well. So I think this, I think Sunbelt crowds, you know, given the capacities of the stadiums, um, the percentages are going to be really good by the time we get to season's end, and I think people will start to see that. Let's talk a little bit more about that Troy-South Al matchup tonight, which is on uh, the ESPN networks. It is a Thursday night game, and as Brant just mentioned, sold out. South Al's stadium is sold out for this game, and Southern Miss will host a game next Thursday, the 27th, against... That's a week from tonight against the Cajuns of Louisiana. And they're anticipating a crowd there to where students have been given the day off from classes in hopes that students will turn out in record numbers for that for that game a week from tonight. But how do you pick that one apart, Brent? Who do you like? Do you like Troy or South Al on that one? Man, that's a great question. You know, I, I tend to lean, you know, to the home field advantage. And how great is it yet that Whitney Hancock's going to have a sold-out crowd for that game? Arguably one of the biggest games in South Alabama history, to be honest with you. And and uh, side note, the game next week, you guys at home against Louisiana, that's awesome to give the students a day off because the college football atmospheres, you know, are what they are because of the student bodies. And so to have a great student turnout means a lot. But getting back to tonight, you know, Texas State just played Troy, and Troy is so good. 
arguably they should be a one-loss team right now, if not for the the miracle on the mountain at App State and, and losing on the Hail Mary. You know, they played um, Ole Miss really tough in the in the opener. You know um, they have a lot of veteran players. The South Alabama is playing with a ton of confidence right now. I'm going to lean to the Jaguars, but it's going to be a fourth quarter down to the final two-minute kind of game, I think. And here's a little trivia for you, Brent. The head coach at South Al, in his second year, Kane Womack, is a Southern mm-hmm. Miss grad. His- you know, I, I pride myself on knowing the Subbo pretty well, and I'm very disappointed in myself for not knowing that fact. That, that's great. I knew that Kane Womack came in from Indiana when he got the South Al job. He's one of the younger coaches, coaches in the country. But I was unaware he was the Southern Miss grad. So that's great. Yeah, actually, his dad, Dave Womack, was a defensive coordinator under Jeff Bauer for some time. Uh, and that's when Kane was raised in, in this area. So, And then uh, Very nice. wound up going to, to Southern Miss. So you like the Jags in a close one. I do. I do. I think that. And, and of course, it's reasonable to argue that whoever wins that game would have a, a pretty clear path to the Western Division title if all things go as expected the rest of the way. And it's not something many people thought coming into the year, right? You know, Louisiana has been the flag bearer in the West for year for you know the past three, four seasons, and you know that they, they they seem to have taken a little bit of a step down. You know, certainly losing your head coach and a lot of talent will do that. Um, and so the West was wide open. You know, come you know, after it was. First couple of weeks, people realize that maybe Louisiana is not the team to beat. And, yeah, South Alabama and Troy seem to be leading that conversation right now. Now, Brant Freeman, when Southern Miss Eagle fans watch this game on TV this weekend or make the trip to San Marcos, they will see something that they probably wouldn't expect to see, and that's a lot of SWT on not only apparel but goalposts and other things. There's a reason for that. Fill in the blanks as to why SWT will be seen a lot this weekend. Absolutely. So to give your fans a little bit of a history lesson, um, Texas State is not the first. That was it's not the original name of the university. Um, what they were known for for the longest time was Southwest Texas SWT, and really some of their heyday in football was was when they were known as SWT. Um, and this is the 40 year anniversary of the Division II National Championship team. They, they won it in 82, and that was, the, that was the second of back-to-back titles. They'd won the National Championship there before as well in 1981. And so people really look back at the SWT days with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fondness, fond memories about those days. Jim Wacker was the head coach back then. The field still has his namesake uh, at Bobcat Stadium. And so you're going to see, yes, the old SWT logos. The team is wearing throwback helmets. You'll see fans wearing some of their SWT garb. Um, and so it's going to be a very kind of special throwback game for them uh, coming up on Saturday. You'll see players from SWT t- uh, teams from years past in attendance. So you know, with that, with a good student turnout, looking forward to what could be a pretty nice uh, fun environment on Saturday. One of our astute Southern Miss fans has texted in a question for you, if you don't mind, wanting, wanting to know if your athletic director, Don Coriel, is in any way related to former NFL head coach Don Coriel. Now, you're going back a few years, but is that the yeah, case? Yeah, Eric Coriel. Um, yes. We get this question all the time, by the way, all the time. And uh, the, the answer is no. Unfortunately, no relation 
um, uh, to, to the two of them, but that is a question we get quite a bit. Yeah, Don Coriel with the San Diego Chargers back in the, uh, gosh, 80s, I guess, mm-hmm. when offense yep. was everything and defense was merely a suggestion. I get <laughs> back with those uh, those Charger teams. So it's a four o'clock kickoff uh, this Saturday. The Sun Belt wide open uh, going forward, and of course the the big one tonight, uh, Troy versus South Al will go a long way for both of those teams in hopes of securing the West. But to put some postscripts on this Southern Miss Texas State matchup, and we've talked about this earlier this week, Brant, that that if the if the litmus test is getting to six wins and securing a bowl game. Both the Bobcats and the Eagles are probably looking at this game and saying, this is one we've got to get. I I 100% agree with that. You know, yes, the magic number is six to become eligible, you know, and um, I think each is looking at this game as as an opportunity, um, you know, to take one step closer. And both teams sitting on three wins right now, you know, so you get to that fourth win, you only have two to go after that. Um, and for the Bobcats, that would come, that fourth win could potentially come going into a bye. You know, and for Southern Miss, it comes, you know, if they, they improve to four and three, they, that means they've got five shots to get two more wins. And so they'd be in a great position to do that. Um, and so this, 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 you know, this maybe isn't for the West Division title, like, like potentially Troy and South Alabama is tonight, but this game carries a ton of weight for both teams. And when you look at who Southern Miss has less left anyway on the schedule, the Cajuns are not going to be easy no matter mm-hmm. who they play. That's coming up mm-hmm. next Thursday. Then the Eagles still have to play South Al, albeit in Hattiesburg, but then they'll, mm-hmm. toward the end of the year, have to go over to Coastal. And that won't be a, that won't be a cakewalk either. But it'll be uh, exciting no matter the way it goes. Brant Freeman, you'll have the call for us, right, on uh, ESPN Plus Saturday? That is correct. I'll have the call and something that we pride ourselves on and what we do here is a very much down the middle, non-biased broadcast. We do as much homework on Southern Miss as we do Texas State. You'll hear us get just as excited for Golden Eagle plays as Bobcat plays. And so am I, am I a grad? Am I an alum? Yes. But I will, you will not in any way hear me being a homer for the game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to just a great game period. Well, and we appreciate that, but we would understand. <laughs> if you were a homer, we, we certainly uh, would understand. But it, it has it has the makings to be a really, really good game on Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And, and just a side note here, the student enrollment at Texas State, 40,000, y'all, 40,000. I think Southern Miss maybe has fourteen or 15,000. Big school. Hey, Brant, continued success. Thanks for your insight. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. All right, that's Brant Freeman, the TV voice of the Texas State Bobcats. Over 20 years now he's been doing that. When we come back, Bob Matthews, a Southern Miss graduate, talks about the national sports scene, particularly in the Washington, D.C. area. We'll continue after we burn the second time out. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. I'm Kelly Sander along with producer engineer Michael Mergens. This segment of Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. 
You hear about all the other things in life going up price-wise, including the cost of food, but you'd never know that if you go to 4th Street Bar and Grill. The nine ninety-five lunch, that includes your soft drink, and as you probably well know, because it's been documented on this program <laughs> ad nauseum, that I'm a big boy, and, I, and I, like, uh, I like a nice meal every once in a while, and they never cheat you on portions there at 4th Street Bar and Grill. That's something that I, uh, that I appreciate. They're going to have the big uh, Troy South Al game on the TVs tonight too so kind of like the old tv show where everybody knows your name hang out at fourth street bar and grill it's the official uh, viewing station there of southern miss athletics right there in the shadow of the rock joining us now on the super talk mississippi hotline is bob matthews he is a native of mobile alabama a graduate of southern miss a sae at Southern Miss in the Greek system, now makes his home in the Washington, D.C. area, where it's his job to cover the Washington Commanders and the Washington Capitals hockey team. We're going to talk a little bit about his podcast and about his show here in a minute. But, Bob, as we welcome you, some upheaval as far as the Commanders go. It starts with the name change last year, which a lot of people weren't too crazy about, including our own Bob Getty, who was a Washington Redskins fan and now has has turned in his membership card. He's no longer a fan of Washington. But owner Daniel Snyder is really taking heat from some of the other owners. Kind of bring us up to date. And this this may be a situation where he loses this team. Is that accurate? It is, it's, it's starting to look that way. That's, that's why I, uh, I texted you the other day. I figured Getty would be over the moon about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 the owners... The uh, owner, NFL owners had a meeting, a quarterly meeting on Tuesday in New York, and normally the reporters are kept, especially at this one, uh, pretty separate from the owners. But uh, as they filed out of their meeting room, uh, Jim Irsay, who's the owner of the Colts, came up to a scrum of reporters, was talking to them, and uh, one of the one of the reporters there was a guy named AJ Perez, who uh, was on my podcast yesterday shameless plug there if you want to go check it out and somebody asked uh ursay about the dan snyder situation and ursay went on to expound for about 15 minutes how he thinks that well they want to wait for this uh, report by mary joe white to come out about the workplace environment with the commanders he thinks that uh, as it stands right now that he'd vote for dan snyder to lose his franchise be forced to sell it um, and he says there are a lot of other owners that feel that way as well. He even went so far as to say he believed, were the vote taken uh, on Tuesday, that there would be 24, the required 24 of the 31 other owners to vote to strip Snyder of his franchise. Now, there are a lot of people that ask this question, and it's a, it's a layman's mm-hmm. question, and I get it, but, and, I, and I gave you this example in our pre-show discussion about if I own an automobile, how can you come up and tell me that I have to sell my car, right. something that I own. I just thought of another analogy while I was while I was on hold. Think of it not so much as you owning a car. Think of it as you owning a NASCAR uh, setup. Uh, it, was, it used to be Winston Cup. What are they now? You know how much I keep up with NASCAR. No, we got you. Yeah, we know what you Sprint mean. Cup or whatever. Yeah. So think of it as think of yourself as being a NASCAR driver instead. If you were to go out there literally every weekend and just intentionally try to crash into everybody and cause as much damage as humanly possible, maybe light your car on fire, uh, you get out in the middle of the uh, speedway and um, do your business there and pretty much everything else to screw up the race. 
you'd probably be yanked off the track pretty quickly. Um, that's kind of how it works with NFL franchises. You are the owners are all partners in this thing called the NFL. So if one owner repeatedly uh, clashes with his partners, if he's told to do things and he doesn't do them, eventually, I guess they can get fed up with you and vote you out. And that's kind of the situation Dan Snyder finds himself in right now. Well, the fans, the only thing fans can do is not go to games. And we won't even use the NFL as an example. The Cleveland Guardians, Mm -hmm. who were last year known as the Indians, their attendance really fell off this year. I mean, I'm not talking Mm -hmm. one or two percent. It was stunning how few people went to the Cleveland Guardian games this year. The former Redskins, now the Commanders, also feeling the budget crunch of not as many tickets sold. Do you think the, oh, yeah. owner, do you think the owners in, in all these situations, Bob, will get the point that people are kind of uh, sick of politics and just want people to play sports? Well, i tell you what they're more concerned about, and that's money. Uh, that is really the only thing they are concerned about. So how all this comes back to the bottom line, is ultimately what they're concerned about. And the big concern there is the fact that Washington, D.C. is the sixth largest television market in the country, and the commanders for literally the last 22 years, almost from the time Dan Snyder bought the franchise, has been irrelevant. Uh, They haven't won more than 10 games of the season since 1999. They've made five playoff appearances in the last 20 years or so. This Ron Rivera thing looks like it's not working right now. So what the owners are most concerned about is the fact that people in Washington really could care less about watching their franchise, a large majority of them. And they've they've tried to do things. If you read the ESPN report uh, that uh, came out last week, it was a great story, by the way, but they, they nailed a lot of the stuff that the NFL has been trying to do behind the scenes. They, they, uh, they, Got Snyder to uh, hire a guy named Brian Lafamina to kind of run the business side of things a few years ago. That lasted about six months before he fired him. Uh, they, you know, he had they, the NFL, depending on who you listen to, uh, try, you know, got got him to hire Jason Wright, and that's worked somewhat better. But it's still, you know, the franchise is still in the same place. The other owners and, and Roger Goodell have tried to work with him, but he's just he cannot get out of his own way. And it's, you know, even more so than, you know, your boys in Cincinnati. I mean, Paul Brown is not thought of as, as the greatest owner in the world either, but at the very least, he doesn't have five investigations. You know, he doesn't have Congress, three state attorney generals, and the league investigating his business practices. Fair enough. Bob Matthews is with us, a, a graduate of Southern Miss. But while we're on the subject of Southern Miss, Bob, is there anybody, I know the people at the, um, at the parking ticket office, would like you to mm-hmm. revisit Southern Miss. They would like to discuss some things <laughs> with you. I am sh- I am sure they will. And uh, fortunately, the uh, the state of uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia does not have an extradition treaty with Mississippi, so okay. they're pretty much SOL on that. Yeah, so they're not going to get all the parking ticket money that you owe them for all those years. Nope, nope. Can't get blood for return it, my friend. Hey, what was what were your, some of your favorite haunts and watering holes back in the day when you were at Southern Miss? If if you, well, you ever know, went hate, out, which I know was a rare occasion. Oh yeah, very 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 rarely. I mean, I hate to suck up to one of your sponsors, and I'll, I'll be expecting a check after this. But Fourth Street's where I learned how to eat crawfish. So Fourth Street was a good one, and uh, and now and I understand the end zone's back now after Dave Brandon sold it. Now the end zone's back. So we were we were we lived at the end zone. 
completely and totally lived at the end zone. Not, well, you could walk back to the fraternity or crawl back to the fraternity yeah, house. It was, a long, it was a bit of a walk, but yeah, you could do it if you had to. Do they still sell? Do they still sell drafts in the uh, half gallon milk jugs there? No, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because you know I'm I'm such a conservative and uh, straight laced guy that I just I don't. Yeah, you know you're no fun whatsoever. Engage in those type of activities. All right, Bob, Got tell it. us tell us about how people can uh, check out your podcasts and and your coverages. So you can go to one of two websites, the Pigskin Podcast Network or the Hockey Podcast Network. Just Google it. It's a lot easier that way. Uh, And you can find the Bob Matthews Podcast there. Uh, We drop between one and three shows a week, depending. You will hear from a lot of the beat writers that cover both the Commanders and the Capitals. You'll hear from the players um, as we get up there on a semi-regular basis to actually talk to them one-on-one. And, uh, you know, it's just we, we try to have some fun. So I know that, uh, you know, Caps and uh, Commander's Nation, probably not huge in Mississippi, but if you've uh, if, if you got 20 minutes to kill in the car and you're tired of those true crime podcasts, uh, give us give us a try. I, I guarantee you won't uh, you won't leave disappointed. Well, I know I understand why you would say that about the Capitals, but the Mississippi Seawolves begin their reincarnation season tomorrow. Ah, very nice. Uh, they are back on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, the Seawolves are. Their season opens tomorrow, and I think their first home game will be next Friday night, a week from tomorrow. So there are hockey fans in Mississippi, and uh, so if you want to check out Bob's work with the Capitals, you can do that. Bob Matthews, continued success, man. Thanks for joining us. And you know, as a, as a parrot head, uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. parrot heads around here. You're always welcome uh, back here at your old stomping grounds. One of these days, as soon as I can uh, reach an out-of-court settlement with the ticket with the parking ticket office, we're going to consider it. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet, Sam, man. See ya. All right, Bob Matthews. And again, you can Google his uh, podcast on the Commanders and the Capitals and see what he's up to on the professional sports scene. Still more to come. We're going to get you set up with the tonight's junior college football schedule. The New Orleans Saints play Arizona tonight in the NFL game. We'll talk about that. Plus, get you up to date as to what the women's soccer team at Southern Miss is doing. And there's great news regarding the men's golf team at Southern Miss. We've got more to come on a Thursday Eagle Hour in just a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. A little bit about a lot of things, but first, this segment brought to you by the pros at D1 and DBAT Training Facility, just off of Interstate 59 on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. As temperatures start to cool down, that doesn't mean the kids have to stop training, getting ready for the upcoming baseball and softball season. Of course, in South Mississippi, that starts in mid to late January, so that's right around the corner. Don't worry about the temperatures. It's always temperature-controlled. Uh, inside of D1 and DBAT training facilities. Glad to be a part 
of the Eagle Hour. All right, lots of things going on in football. Let's talk about the Sun Belt. Earlier we discussed with Brant Freeman the big game tonight, the battle for the belt, as it's called. The Troy Trojans going up against the Jaguars of South Al. That game will be televised tonight on the ESPN Network. South Al is a three-point favorite at home. The over and under is uh, over under is 46 and a half in the National Football League tonight. The New Orleans Saints looking to rebound after a loss to Cincinnati this past Sunday will travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals and another team that is really struggling as of late. That game will start at 7:15 our time and will be televised on Amazon Prime. So that's another one of these uh, channels that you have to it's a streaming service, right? So you have to be able to Subscribe to Amazon Prime. Probably a lot of you already are. But that's where that game will be televised tonight. Andy Dalton gets the start tonight at quarterback for the Saints as they take on Arizona. Both teams looking to rebound. In the MACCC, the Mississippi Association of Community Colleges Conference, the games scheduled for tonight include Jones, undefeated, ranked nationally. They will travel to Delta a game that starts at uh, 6.30 tonight. In fact, all of the JUCO games tonight start at 6.30. Should be a winnable game for Jones. You have a team that has won every game and a team that has lost every game. So Jones on the road at Delta. Northeast travels to Coahoma, as we mentioned, a 6.30 start. Northwest, who is leading the Northern Division. Jones is leading the South Division undefeated. Northwest leading the North Division. And the Rangers are undefeated. They will host Holmes, a rejuvenated Holmes Bulldog program. Colin will travel to East Central. East Central's coach Ken Karcher has announced his retirement. He will not be back after this season. Colin travels to East Central. And probably the game that most people are going to pay attention to tonight in the JUCO schedule has Gulf Coast traveling to Hines. Both of those two teams, along with Pearl River, are battling it out for the number two spot in the South. And this game tonight will have great significance. If Hines wins, they will have the tiebreakers with Pearl River and with Gulf Coast. So the Eagles could put themselves in a perfect spot tonight by winning this game against Gulf Coast at home. If Gulf Coast wins, it really sends that second spot in a three-way mishmash between Gulf Coast, Hines, and Pearl River. Those are the games scheduled for tonight on Saturday. In the junior colleges, Itawamba will travel to East Mississippi. That's a big game because those two teams are battling it out for second place in the north. Itawamba right now has a one-game lead over East Mississippi. That's a 1 o'clock start. But right now, Itawamba number two in the north. If the playoffs were to start today, East Mississippi can put itself in the mix with a win on Saturday. Then Pearl River travels to Summit on Saturday afternoon for a 5 o'clock start against the Southwest Bears. Southwest at his homecoming on campus there. Pearl River looking to keep the playoff hopes alive by winning another South Division matchup. All right, Southern Miss sports-wise. Today, the women's soccer team, actually right about now, getting ready to take on App State at the soccer complex off of 7th Street, which is, uh, well, it's between 7th and 4th Street, actually. If you go past our buddies at 4th Street Bar and Grill, like you're headed downtown, the soccer complex is there on your left. They are taking on App State. They're looking to rebound. The Lady Eagle soccer team looking to rebound after an 8-1 to defeat at the hands of South Al this past weekend. Uh, again, the Lady Eagles against App State in soccer here in just a few minutes. And congratulations to Eddie Brasher and the men's golf team. They won the Arkansas Little Rock Invitational 
They come home the champions. This is the second title that they've won this year. Ryan Dupuis of the Golden Eagle golf team was the medalist in that event, shooting eight under during the tournament. Man, that is really playing some good golf. And not like they wouldn't be headed there anyway, but what a nice reward for the men's golf team because next on their schedule is a trip to the Bahamas to play in that. Now, if, if anything, if you're going to play a sport, Merg, and you want to you f- play it, be in some of the most beautiful places in the world, golf would certainly be the pick, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that or, you know, where I grew up, bowling was big, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but bowling, you're inside. Yeah, you know, the, the places you can go. <laughs> but the view never changes yeah, inside. True. But, man, they get to go to Bahamas. They were up in the Pacific Northwest not long ago. So um, good job to the men's golf team. And do you want to vent about the Bears at all, Merg, or, or is this over? Uh, what? Okay, I think that uh, that pretty much sums the it Arlington up. Arlington Heights Bears, is that? That's right. They're getting, or word yeah. is. Mm-hmm. That the Bears are going to move away from Rustic Soldier Field? Yeah. What would they do? After with- 20 years that they completely renovated the stadium to make it bigger and more modern, and now they want to move out to Arlington Heights for an even bigger... Uh, it'd be the stadium and a sports complex along with it. Well, where the old horse track was, right? Yeah. Yep. At, at Arlington. What would and they do with you, Soldier Field? I guess it'd just be a... I don't know. Put a place a, for the Rolling Stones? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for concerts. <laughs> to, to appear. Uh, as they continue, Bob Getty will rejoin us tomorrow. Luke Johnson's uh, out of the country, and uh, he'll be rejoining us when he comes back. But that'll do it for now. Great show. Glad that you were with us here on this Thursday. We'll get you set for a full slate of uh, weekend football Southern Miss style on tomorrow's program. Um, also joining us will be Will East talking about high school football. That's on tomorrow's Eagle Hour. For Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sander. Thanks for joining us. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Like an eagle, to the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.